Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Post-Match Podcast. I'm delighted to once again have a special guest on with me this evening. Uh, just um, a couple of days after the Euro 2024 draw, we have loyal Scotland fan Michael Douglas. Michael has joined the pod today just to discuss Scotland qualifying, his thoughts on the draw and how he thinks they'll get on at the tournament next year in Germany. So, Michael, first of all, thanks for joining me on the pod. Uh, and how proud are, are you as a Scotsman to have came through a qualifying group with Spain? Um, after last time you qualified for a Euros Union, you kind of entered through the back door of a playoff. How does that feel, um, Michael? Oh, well, thanks for having me, first of all, Garth. I mean, it's amazing. It's just, I think when we, when we drew the, the qualifying group for the Euros, I think we all said... We've done so well, we've earned that kind of second seed, so behind Spain. So uh, I think the worst thing we could get probably is Norway from pot three and Georgia from pot four. And lo and behold, that's exactly who we got. So it became even tougher, you know, not the Spain games. I don't think you expect to take much out of games against the likes of Spain in a campaign. We got them nice and early. We got off to a really good start. I think we won our first game against Cyprus, home game you'd expect that. But we rolled straight off that into the Spain game on the Tuesday, so three days later. So we had a bit of momentum, two home games to start the campaign, and the performance against Spain spoke for itself. I think we were we were fantastic, and it just opened everything up. You know, six points from those first two games really set our stall out. George, I think, and Norway had drawn in that same night, so they'd already dropped points. You know, so we were we were already excited, and and like you say. I mean, the pride of doing it this way. I think that's what we've wanted to kind of get back to, that rebuild. The Nations League's been great for us, but we've used that to kind of get ourselves in a better standing, I think, for these qualifying campaigns because they are they are your bread and butter. You know, they're top two go through. They're the way you want to go. You don't want those nervy penalty shootouts to, to kind of send you to major champs. As great as they are when you win, uh, you want to kind of go through and, and having earned that. And I mean, to do it with two games to spare as well. We've been going to campaigns for years where the last couple of games didn't mean anything because we were out, not because we were already through. So uh, to completely turn that around in a few years has been been fantastic. So yeah, incredibly proud. Couldn't, couldn't be prouder. Yes, yeah, it's a good point you say there about about penalty shouts and you know you did actually make make it through um via the playoffs but then you know one you, like you said you've done fantastically in the nations league but you, you did actually then um unfortunately you lost to Ukraine in the World Cup playoff you know which, which would have been a great achievement as well in Scotland have history as well losing to England uh, in the playoffs to get into Euro two thousand as well so. You know, play playoffs as Italy have seen there as well recently yeah. failed to qualify for a few tournaments. Yeah, rightly so. It, it's 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 really nice to just be in the draw. You know, there's there's still three teams that we don't know will be there exactly. yet. Or not. You can, and as a supporter as well, you can start to make plans. So yeah. we'll talk a bit about the the draw itself. So uh, it's going to be in Germany next year. A fantastic uh, country to, to host a tournament. I have a few friends who were at. Um, the World Cup in 2006. Germany were well ahead of their time. They entered just these fan zones that you may see at all tournaments. Um, just a real, you know, football crazy nation, um, but very, very well organised with their infrastructure, you know, with trains and things like that as well. I think we see that in the Bundesliga. So you might get that yourself. You'll get like um, free train tickets with your um, max tickets and things like that. But how early, how early, have you been trying to make your plans for Germany next year? 
Uh, did you have to wait until you definitely qualified or did you try and get in there early? So I think there's there's been a few schools of thought on that one. I think there's been many people who the moment we qualified said, well, if I book before the, the day before the tournament starts and I, I book all the way up to the end of the group stage, I should be fine. Because like you say, the infrastructure in the country means that really wherever you're drawn, you can kind of make your way there and make your way back sort of thing. So I was a bit more, not patient, but I think I did a bit of research and I kind of organise a group of kind of 12 of us. So I deal with all our tickets for home games. And if we're going to away games, then same, similar and transport and travel. And I think what I did was I kind of looked at options for depending on which sort of uh, bit you were, of the group you were allocated. So obviously we became A2, which meant the opening game, but we then knew that it was also uh, sort of Stuttgart and Cologne were the other two games. So I kind of pinpointed a city that would be the ideal base for all three almost, so kind of Frankfurt. So I think had the options lined up and then Saturday evening as the draw uh, came out and we knew where we were going straight on the ball and uh, flights and accommodation sorted. So I am actually sorted now myself. I know people who maybe thought that the chances of us getting the opening game were a bit slim and were planning flying out the Friday night. They now have to, to kind of change that and make sure they're there in time for the game. So uh, yeah, we're, I think I've heard numbers bandied about that I find it hard to believe, sort of from 80 to 100,000 Scots that plan will be planning to go at some point. So it will be really interesting to see. But yeah, I think it's only Monday. And I think if you've waited now, it might be a lot more expensive than even it was on Saturday. Yeah, so it, it was, um, it's interesting you say that about the traveling fans, because I was actually just thinking about that as you said that. So although Scotland did, finally qualify for a tournament at, at Euro 2020, which, which was in Euro 21. As they were sort of hosts at that tournament, they, they played the three group games. Um, the first they had to travel was to Wembley. Um, there was two two games at hand, in which I believe you were at yourself, Michael. So yep. it's really the first time that the, the Tartan Army have got got to a tournament that, that's overseas, the last one being France 98, you know, yeah. 20, 25 years ago. So. Exactly. I can see why there's so many people, you know, generations that have lost out want wanting to make that trip. Um, and lo and behold, you're going to be playing the hosts in the first game. Um, but interesting enough, since the last World Cup, uh, and you know, and lo- loads of countries struggled with us in the past. I remember England when they were hosts for Euro '96, they played all these friendlies, uh, and, and it's, it's you know, it's not ideal. They're playing like Hong Kong. You know, just they're not they're not competitive games basically. But um, Germany, um, I think they've only won three out of eleven games, um, yeah. and they've actually changed their manager as well. They're yeah. going through a real real tough time now. That's happened to Germany before. You know, England famously beat them five one, um, and then Germany got to the final of that World Cup. So when they turn up, you know, they, they can get the job done. But in terms of um, opening games, uh, this isn't the first time. Scotland have played in an opener. I remember um, the opener at France '98. Tell me, tell me your memories of that game, Michael, as a supporter. That that was the last you know World Cup Scotland played in. Yeah, so I would have been showing my age, but I would have been just not far off turning seventeen odd, and I think I remember it quite well because I think before these tournaments became such kind of money generating machines for kind of UEFA and FIFA. The, the opening game of France night it was in the afternoon, which was like kind of you wouldn't see that now. It would be prime time sort of evening television slot, you know. So the opening game was in the afternoon. So I remember being in school, uh, 
and I remember us having bags with maybe a few beers that we were ready for the afternoon. And we, yeah. we had a thing in our school where you used to run to lunch and you would throw your bag just to the side as you went into the, the sort of cafeteria. And on this day, everyone walked over and placed their bag down. And I think <laughs> everyone was immediately suspicious of us that we're football fans because we didn't want to hear any bottles clinking or smashing. Yeah. So we, we left school early that day and we did have permission to leave school early, which was great. But I remember going up to a friend's house and, and I mean, in the John Collins penalty, uh, one of the endearing images of that day in his house was beer dripping <laughs> off the roof. So uh, that was kind of, that kind of summed it up. And obviously you don't, I don't really remember the my emotion or my feeling when they scored the, the winning goal, the own goal, which was desperately unlucky, but you just kind of look back on it now and you see, we've obviously seen documentaries and things in the years since, and you get a real insight into it and just realise how well they did that day. That that team was fantastic that Brazil had. And and Cafu always sticks out in my head uh, in 98. And obviously Ronaldo, only a few weeks ago myself, I watched a documentary about Ronaldo, the phenomenon, I think it was called, it was really good. I'd recommend it to anyone. And it concentrates on that tournament. Uh, but he didn't have a huge impact against us. Uh, no. He was, he kind of, and those opening games are like that. And I think we touched on it there. I think those countries that that kind of qualify automatically, whether I think it used to be the holders, World Cup was always the holders that kicked off. It used to be, but I think now it's the hosts. Yeah. But they tend not to have played competitively in the lead up to those games. So those that's kind of the, they jump into a competitive game after, like you say, games against whoever it might be, but. I think by the time we played Germany, their last competitive game will have been the last group game in, in the Qatar World Cup. So the change of manager will definitely help them, I think. I've got a lot of time for, for Nagelsmann. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, but like you say, I think two wins and two draws in their last 10 uh, or something like that. And there's been some really yeah. interesting results. And they're probably, I think on face value, if you, if you lined up, the six teams that were in pot one and you didn't know which team was which and you just said team A, team B, team C, you would look at the records and say, we want that team and that's Germany. So if you take that out of it, obviously there will be plenty of support for them and emotion. But well, I'm really interested in seeing how many Scotland fans get tickets out with the official allocation. I think there'll be a lot more than our kind of 10,000 I think were allocated as a, as a supporter base. But uh, it will be... It's the game... It's the game in the tournament that gets the most build-up, right? The first game, everyone, it builds up for months. I mean, it's December now. I mean, even the final, obviously, is the most important game in the tournament, but you only get a few days from the semi-final to the final. So we can sit and think about this for six months, which is is brilliant, and everyone will be at fever pitch when it comes. And you're, you're in, you're, like you said, you kind of do the admin, do all the organising for your, your group. It's like a supporters club you're in. Is that right, Michael? So, so the, basically the, the SFA, so our, our kind of governing body, have an official Scotland supporters club that they kind of, you have membership of. So the way it works is a kind of loyalty. You get a point for attending a home game and two, if you're eligible for the allocation for away and you buy and go to the game. So I think they've got the system pretty much spot on now. It used to be just away games you earn points for, but then sometimes allocations can be so small that people just can't, they don't get the opportunity to buy away games. So I think rewarding those people that go at the home games has really changed that. And I think 
I mean, we were going to games not even that long ago, five or six years ago, talked about those last games of a campaign that were mean, meant nothing, and there were 17,000, 18,000 in, in a 50,000-seater stadium, which was depressing enough. But I think it's great to see I'm, I'm not one of these people who says, oh, we were there when you weren't, and I don't care. If the stadium's yeah. full, the place is great. You know, everyone's on board, and it'll be the same next summer. You know, the more, the merrier. So, yeah, you, you did actually get to both the... Croatia and the Czech Republic group games at the at the last Euros in, in, in twenty twenty one. Um, so what 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 was that like? Was there a difference between the experience at the at the first game to, to to the last game? You know, the first game obviously you know hosts like we spoke about the, the long the long gap between the previous tournament or pre- when the, the final group game came around was it kind of more you know desperation of get getting getting a goal, getting a point, get, getting a win. Yeah. I think that I think for me, I think the, the first game was great. Obviously, you had the big long build up. I think the one thing that always stuck is we knew that there was only going to be, and I, I try to remember the number, but I think there was only around twelve to sixteen thousand or something that was allowed because obviously we were still kind of in that post COVID sort of space, and it, it took a few weeks for the tournaments to allow sort of bigger attendances and things like that. So it was really interesting. I, I, I do I remember it really well. I, I, me and my brother were were sat together and. I got really emotional when the teams walked out. I, I, I didn't expect to, to really get emotional, but when they walked out, it just hit me. It really did. I, I just thought, this is it. This is why we always go. You know, it's why we travel. It's why we go everywhere to see these major games. And I think the Czech, the Czech game, that was the expectation game. I think we were, it was the one where we said, like, we get off to a good start here, you know, and I think they're a team on our level. I think we had played them not too recently enough in the Nations League. We definitely had one win against them anyway. So I think we thought, you know what, this this is it for us, you know. And I think that expectation weighed quite heavily. We lost Kieran Tierney on the day of the game. I think it was day of the game or day before, which makes such a difference to us. Robertson and Tierney, the biggest thing Steve Clark did with our team was finding a way to play them both. And, And it makes us tick so well. And losing him, I think, Sucked a little bit of the air out, and when everyone heard the team news, oh, Tierney's out. What's what sort of happened? You know, nobody knew, and obviously you don't have that intensity of the full Hamden and it, and that kind of sort of scare the Czechs almost a little bit. You know, we kind of wanted to do that, but I think we we obviously had the second goal, which was just out of this world, the one in a million kind of uh, sort of effort. But we actually played quite well. I thought we made some chances, and we weren't too disheartened and. Like you say, then we obviously were at Wembley in the, the second game. We drew 0-0. It was probably our best game. We should have won the game. We had decent enough chances uh, and we really, really were really impressed. So, again, from going to a place where, right, we've got a point now we still haven't scored a goal. So, But then we had the Modric masterclass at hand in the, in the last game and obviously we scored the equaliser, which was a great moment and it was, it was thoroughly enjoyable. But I think I look at this tournament and I almost now... I, almost don't count that as a major tournament for us. I do in the terms of the things that it brought us because it brought us those reps in a major tournament, which you need. I think in order to to thrive at major tournaments, you have to experience them first. I think it's very rare for a team in their first major tournament for, for an era, essentially, to to make a splash. It just it very rarely happens. I think if you, even if you look back, it's, there's not many cases of it. So I think for us, it gave us that and I think we'll take that on now and probably in a really good position in that first game of being a, probably be quite a big underdog when it comes around. So so I think that's what that tournament brought us. I think we learned some lessons, certainly 
in the, the, the games at Hamden uh, and almost the, the sort of weight of expectation. And I say that knowing that the next Euros, we've got going to probably have games at Hamden as well if we make it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I totally agree with your, your point. This is the one you want to qualify for. I think Germany as a country is a fantastic place. And it's, I think it looks like it's going to be one of the last tournaments for a good long while that's in the one yeah. country. <laughs> it is indeed, yeah. It, it will be remembered for that. Um, sadly, the World Cups and Champions Leagues, they're, they're all going to be... It's kind of like a watershed moment. It's a bit like, you'll probably remember it well, in, in 1992, we had the formation of the... the, the, the cha- well, the change of the Premier League and the change of the Champions yeah. League. Two, two big changes. This feels like this could be one where... A lot of people might make noises for it to go back the way it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely enjoy it. Uh, great, great point you make there about the the, the Euro twenty one, uh, Euro twenty twenty that was played in twenty one because it was for me uh, as someone watching it at home. It was great to have fans back in the stadiums. I know for yourself, they were saying you didn't have the capacity at Hamden, but just from watching all these games at home with the you know the fake fan noise and things like that. We really appreciate it having supporters back, but yeah. the small sections of fans did really create a, a brilliant atmosphere at that tournament. And what I love about the Euros is you you always get one or two of these things that just show up. Yeah. The Czechs are very much like that. You know, the Czech the Czechs don't really have a great record at World Cups. They don't qualify for many World Cups, yeah. but they have a fantastic record at the Euros. Um, interestingly enough, we'll, we'll speak a bit now about a couple of the teams that are actually in your group, and I actually pick up just on a point that you've made there about Scotland. Now this will be consecutive tournaments. Um and this one, you know, you'll you'll go into a bit more momentum and, and belief. But Hungary, uh, like yourselves, have actually taken advantage and used the Nations League quite well. So Hungary actually came second, very unlucky to come second in the Nations League group A with <laughs> Italy, Germany and England. So uh, they took four points off Germany. I believe they beat them in Germany and they beat England home and away. Actually hammered them in one of the games. Yeah. Um, and this is actually the third consecutive Euros they have qualified for. So this is actually their their best sort of spell since you know the, the famous spell under you know Puskas years ago. Yeah. The Swiss uh, made it into the round of sixteen during Euro twenty sixteen, and they they got their best ever finish at Euro twenty twenty, where they actually eliminated world champions France at the time on penalties. Yeah. So so a couple of nations there that have real, real um form at, at, at the Euros as well. So it will it will be a really tough group. But again, Scotland certainly won't be underdogs because we'll go back to the start there um and just pick up on on how you did in the group. So you actually won your first five group games, which is an incredible achievement. Georgia, although you know they've not really qualified for tournaments, they've actually got some really good players in there, and and that you know they gave Spain uh, a few scares, um, and you know they did. You got a really tough game away from home uh, in Georgia, so maybe glad you didn't have to play Georgia away from home in the first five games, or, or glad you weren't wait, relying on a the result there. Or something, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so so um, but yeah, great great achievement, and you know. I think if you look back, some of these games you're talking about, you know, you were probably at those games. Scotland had were always the country that had. They couldn't beat these teams they should be beating. So it shouldn't be taken for granted when you, you suddenly go out and do it. Um, yeah. Because if, to, to go out and win five consecutive games, when years ago, you know, if you, if you come up against a minnow, uh, like Faroe Islands or Estonia or someone like that, you know, Scotland would have made hard work of it. So, yeah. so it is a great, 
great achievement as well. So tell us a little bit about your manager there, Steve Clark, and how important he's been to oh. this renaissance of Scotland. Yeah, just hugely important. I think Steve Clark took over at a really kind of interesting time. We had a really tough group where I think we were kind of Belgium and Russia were in our qualifying group at the time. And I think he knew he was going to have to almost overhaul the kind of the the, the sort of central hub of the squad. You know, the, the, the central sort of group of players were going to become different and we're, we're going to rely on different people. People were going to be phased out. And we took a couple of whippings in the first few games, you know, from teams like Belgium. I think we were, we really struggled against them home and away in that campaign. But I think what Clark has done so well, and it's it's really interesting this because I think it's probably one of the things that is, is the biggest positive for us and has caused us to become much stronger. But it's also the thing that I hear people almost complain about the most, and sometimes I'm guilty of it as well, is we have such a settled squad. You almost can... If someone's injured, you can almost predict who it is it's going to be that, that's in instead. Everyone else shouts the kind of young name that's never had a cap or something like that, but it, it generally isn't them. He relies on the same group of players. And what that's done, I think, is fostered an environment where it, there's almost, it's, it's cliched, but there's almost a club-like nature to it, where yeah. the players enjoy being together. You see the scenes after the qualifying against Serbia, when they're in the hotel, obviously there was no fans there for them to celebrate with. So they celebrated themselves and boy, did they celebrate when you see the videos that came out and things like that. But that speaks to the, the sort of close knit nature of, of that team. And I think what Clark's done really well is kind of phased some younger players in almost without people noticing. I think, like I say, people will, will complain that certain players aren't getting a chance, but all of a sudden we've got Aaron Hickey playing regularly at right back now the guy can play left or right back but he plays right back for us Nathan Parsons is just behind him who's gone Rangers to Everton and these two guys didn't really play much of a part in the Euros last time uh, Stephen O'Donnell was the right back who uh, will always did a job in the shirt you know always gave everything he could but these two players are Hickey showed it in his time in Serie A showing it in the Premiership but what Clark has done and, and discoveries like Shea Adams, who who wouldn't have been involved previously as well, I think he's sort of fostered that belief within this team that no matter who goes on to the park, we're capable of getting a result, no matter who's sort of opposite us, I think. And I think that it speaks to that. And what you said there was things like getting results where we maybe would have either made hard work of it or, or not done it. And I was lucky enough in June to be in Oslo for the game where we're 1-0 down with a minute to go and we won 2-1. And that is just not something that this Scotland team in the past would have done. And they played it so conservatively that day. It was roasting hot. It was 32, 33 degrees. The pace of the game wasn't a very quick game. But he didn't make changes that people were clamouring for. People Dykes, Dykes lumbering about up there in the last 10 minutes. It's too hot. Take him off. He scored the goal. He set up the, the winner. So... I think he he knows his squad so well, better than anyone. Uh, and uh, despite us all clamouring at him to include, I think the, the name on everyone's lips in the next six months, if he, especially if he plays, will be Ben Doak at Liverpool. Uh, he's this kind of wonder kid that Scotland have got. He's in the 21s from 17. He's just turned 18, I believe. And he's seen minutes for Liverpool in the in the Cups and, and things like that. So we're starting to see him appear, which is really great. He is rapid he is a rapid guy and he's a he's a good finisher as well he's quite composed on the ball so 
He's really raw, but I think everyone thinks if there's a wild card in the squad, it'll be him. Personally, I think Clark will go tried and trusted. It's only, I think it's 23-man squads. I think he'll stick with those guys that have got us there. They've kind of earned that opportunity almost. Uh, barring any injuries, I think I'm very glad we don't have a November tournament this year because we uh, have been decimated by injuries and thankfully those last two qualifiers didn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things in terms of qualifying because we had quite a long injury list there but but yeah but again the guys have come in and stepped up and they got a late draw in Georgia a place we'd never won before we'd gone there twice and got beat so they 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 came back twice against Norway and ended up drawing the game at Hamden so there's players waiting to step in and, and that comes from the manager you know that he trusts these guys to do a job when the the sort of number one in that position, maybe he's not there. Yeah, it's a great point you, you made there about the, the sort of the, the club feel to, to the international game at Scotland. But it is, there is very similar to what, what Gar- the atmosphere Gareth Southgate's created with England. Um, and you can actually draw similarities as well to some, some, some players who, you know, Tierney wasn't getting many games at Arsenal. McTominay's not getting many games uh, from Man United, but they're using their time with yeah. the with their national team that seems to sort of play themselves in the form. You know, McTominay. Yeah, I would say that McTominay's form for Scotland has pushed him into the Man United yeah. team, given uh, yeah. that they coincided with their bad run almost. Yeah, and that, that, that's that's similar to sort of what's happened with Maguire as well, and, and that comes yeah. from Steve, Steve Clark and Southgate, sort of, you know, trusting trusting their players, um, and maybe not in the made them feel like you know if they're out of their club team, you know that they've got a lot to do to get back. And obviously, McTominay's different because he's just such a good player. You know, it's going to be hard to drop him. But really, yeah, it, it, it's 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 really impressive. It's great. It's great. I always feel like at that level as well for for Northern Ireland anyway. You know, anytime we got close to qualifying or qualifying, we had like a great goal scorer and David Healy or or Kyle Lafferty. Uh, and since you know they're no longer around, we, we really struggle for goals. Scotland haven't really, at the minute, got like a, a consistent striker. You, you've got someone that can be there and, and do a yeah. job, but just shows you how important those goals are that, that yeah. McTominay scored. You know, at one point I think he was he was the leading scorer. Yeah. Um, I think if you look at the top six, I think it was top six or seven scorers in the campaign. That it's yeah. names you would absolutely expect to see: Lukaku, saw, Ronaldo, yeah. Hoyland, all these guys. And all of a sudden, McTominay's in there as well, and it's he has been fantastic. And between him and McGinn, they kind of compensate almost like you say for that lack of a number nine. I think Adams and Dykes are, tend to be the battle for our number nine and I've, I've always said this the, the boys are probably sick of hearing this from me but that if we could combine the two of them into one player we'd have an incredible number nine I think they both bring the things everything you want in a, in a number nine but in two different people so uh, I think Germany are quite similar to us in that sense uh, speaking of the Euros I think the number nine is the position that they're maybe searching for someone you know just now yeah no there, there's there's a few teams there um, and I think that's why people fancy England or, or France because they've got such a strong cool. squad. But there's a couple of club, um, sorry nations there, like Spain and Germany, especially they have really, really good midfields. But they don't really, you know, they've got like a Morata or or a Werner who are you know patchy sort of players. But um, so something that I don't want to bring up um, to put a negative spin on things, but well, not you don't have to give me your exact age you've spoken before. So how how many tournaments will this be that you'll you'll have sort of watched uh, as a Scotland supporter then, Michael? So 
I've watched Scotland in it, won't be too many. <laughs> I watch every tournament. I love I love the tournament and that's what makes it even worse when you're not there. But I think my earliest kind of memories of, of actually watching the games and uh, Italian 90 sticks out. Uh, we obviously played Costa Rica, we're famously on the end of a shock uh, in that one. And we I think we played Brazil and, and Sweden as well in that tournament. And uh, I mean, to say we went out in the group stage, that's how every story ends just now for the, for the national team, unfortunately. But then Euro 92, weirdly enough, although it was a couple of years later, I have less of a memory of it. Uh, for some reason, I'm not sure whether maybe when I was younger, maybe the Euros felt like they were less of a team. I think there was only eight teams back then uh, when when Euro '92 happened. But but '96, obviously we missed '94. '96 uh, sticks out as a big one for me. Kind of, I was sort of about to turn 15. I was playing football at a good level and uh, from from where I lived. And you, that was the time when you would dream you would be that guy, you know, that uh, that played for Scotland at a major tournament. And obviously, we got to play England again. Interestingly enough, we had Switzerland in our last group game and and won one nil. Uh, but uh, one goal from Holland uh, against England put us out on that score as well. So again, kind of heartbreak uh, there. And then yeah, France ninety eight. As we talked about, I remember watching it and uh, again ended in a kind of heartbreak against Morocco, where uh, I, th- I think the African nations at that time were definitely a lot less well known. Uh, to us and we thought oh Morocco will definitely beat them you know and they were they were fantastic that day they were absolutely brilliant uh, and, and we went out again so obviously that was the last one and then coming up to, to Euro 2020 as you say in 21 uh, getting to see them in person and then uh, support them is, is kind of how it should be so this will be my kind of first uh, tournament there on location so I'm, I'm, I'm I mean I'm buzzing for that absolutely so so yeah so in, um, in their history, Scotland have qualified for the FIFA World Cup on eight occasions and the UEFA European Championships four times, but they have never progressed beyond the first group stage of a finals tournament. Now, you've said there yourself on a few of those occasions, you know, famous sailors, the, you know, Archie Gemmell, you know, yeah, difference again, I think. So, yeah. No, but there's been a few times there it has come down to a goal, but it was actually Euro 2016 when the format did change. Now, uh, as we spoke before, so when we were talking about tickets, I was fortunate enough to be at Euro 2016 as a Northern Ireland supporter. Um, similar to yourself in a supporters club, I managed to get the, the tickets for the three group games. I spent 10 days in Nice, south of France. So France and Germany, two unbelievable nations to, to host the tournament in Europe. Um, great stadiums, great, you know, we were like on a beach in Nice. Uh, <laughs> and then we, so we, we lost our first game to Poland, but again, we only lost 1-0. So the second game we beat Ukraine 2-0, but we got a late goal. Um, and then in the final game, so Euro 2016, they introduced that, that there would be like a certain amount of third place teams. Yeah, like four third place teams, yeah. Really close. Now, Portugal, one of those teams, Portugal actually drew all three games. Uh, and they came third, you know, went all the way and won it. But in our last group game, we were playing uh, Germany, who already qualified and already had won, won the group. But we were playing Germany in, in Paris. Um, so that was great. You know, I said, fan zones, um, Eiffel Tower, all that stuff was really, really good. But getting into that game, 
you know, we created a great atmosphere and the goalkeeper that day just made so many saves. And at the time we had this feeling that every goal, we were like, we keep it below three. But the scores were coming around elsewhere and there was all these tables, you know, showing the, the best place, mm. third place teams. And it did actually come down to just one goal. So we actually only, we only lost by 1-0 and we made it into the last 16. So mm. given given the changes that, that are still there this time, there is a much better chance. Scotland's yeah. the best chance ever to make it, you know. And uh, if we look at this opening game against Germany as well, you know, um, you will make it hard for them the the, the, the Germany fans, I'm sure, by the time the tournament comes around, will be getting behind their nation. But this has actually been the lowest they've felt in a long time. I think yeah. they had a few issues there at the last World Cup as well. So obviously they've finished and um, they have, haven't got out of group stage at the last two tournaments. But then there's a few political statements and stuff like that as well that didn't go down well back home. And a lot of German fans turned away, you know, you know fans at home. Turn, turned away from supporting them so it will be a good chance to you know get under their skin uh, yeah, well but you know if, if a result doesn't go your way and you know it could come down to you know if Germany scored more goals against yourselves Hungary or Switzerland or you know the Swiss are a very hard team to beat but they do draw a lot of games as well yeah. Hungary um, very entertaining team as well they're very play very open but good football so really looking forward to it and um, can you give me some predictions? Can you can you can, can Scotland do it? Can they get out of the group stage? I think yes. I think the calmly is yes. They are, they are, they are, I will <laughs> never say anything else apart from that. Six months before the tournament, I, I, I'm always the optimist in, in these things. I think I think the, your points there are really good. I think on Switzerland, I think they drew five of their qualifiers. I think half of their qualifiers they drew, and I think two of their wins came against Andorra, and they made it through. So I'm hoping that they're a team on the kind of downside of a good arc almost because they were, they've been perennial qualifiers now for tournaments for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, they're always a team that I've thought not, not worth frauds. Let's not say that we don't annoy people, but the, I think I've always thought it's annoyed me that Switzerland are always in the tournaments and we're not sort of thing, because I always think they're a team that we could compete with and now we get the chance to prove it. Right. So, yeah, so that's good. I think, those two games, the Switzerland and the Hungary games, coming second and third, I think it's almost ideal because anytime you're not you're in pot three or pot two, maybe maybe not so much pot two, but pot three or four, and you're a nation of our size and and kind of where we've competed before, anything and similar to the qualifying, if we take anything from Germany, it's probably a bonus, right? Because home nation first game, but I think you look at home nations in first games. And the record's not brilliant, right? So I think we, like you say, that those those fans are almost looking for an excuse to to kind of complain or or to to be unsettled. And if we scored that first goal, or it was nil nil for a long time, there may be a little bit of that in the stadium. And obviously, we'll make the the positive noise that might just even irritate them a little bit more. So I think that's key. If anything out of that would be great. Then obviously the second game, I think you kind of want to. You want to go and win a game. I think, like you said there, the format now, it's almost, it's not not certain, but you're, if you win one game, you're almost qualified. And, I mean, you'd have to take a really severe loss maybe to, to kind of knock you out of qualification. But a win and a draw would certainly be enough to, to be one of the better fourth-place teams, historically speaking, in terms of how the new format's gone in the last two tournaments. So I think for us, I think those two games will be key. And I've always... 
looked at it and yeah, there, there was teams in the draw maybe we would have preferred to play from those pots, maybe not. But to me, I'll always say that if we play a team, no matter where it is, if, if I would expect to beat them at Hamden, then I would be happy to play them, right? So, uh, and at the moment, we don't fear anyone coming to Hamden. We maybe didn't put in as good a performance as I would have liked against England in a recent friendly, but they were excellent that night, I have to say. And uh, But I think that that's where we are now is that, that this team has done the thing. The monkey's off the back now. We've qualified for tournaments. We're there. There's the second one in a row, as you said. Now it's time to deliver. And these guys are the, the McGinns, the Robertsons, the Tierneys. They're all in the, that, that prime period now where this will be their, their chance to deliver. And I think freed of that kind of home pressure, I think, I think we will. I think, I think a win and a draw out of those, those second games, second and third games is really possible. And I think that anything out of that first game would be a great bonus. Now, there's already chat in Scotland of, do you know that if we win the group in England, our runners up in their group, then we would play them in the last yeah. 16. So the permutations have already been worked out, you know. So we'll, we'll know exactly what's happening as it's happening. So, uh, but but things like that are great. That's what you want to talk about, right? But for me, my, my prediction, I think we will come out of the group. I think we might finish second in it. Yeah, it was just brought back memories there when you, you spoke about Switzerland. Um, and, and we can probably can't say frauds, but um, we felt that the, at the 2018 World Cup, uh, when the draw was made for that tournament, I think it was in the first game as well, Switzerland played Brazil. So I was actually in the World Cup playoff where we, we lost the home game. It was at both games. We lost the home game 1-0 to Switzerland. They got a controversial penalty. Uh, yeah, that's right. And then we drew 0-0 in, in Basel. <laughs> Um, and a rainy, wet evening in, in Switzerland again. So, you know, very defensive team, but they were probably yeah. the worst team to play if they're defending a 1-0 lead. And, we, you know, yeah. we, we gave it everything as well. But when the draw was made, you know, they, they, they played. But I think they, they do they do draw a lot of games. I think they were one of the dullest, it was one of the dullest knockout round games. I think it was at the 2018 World Cup. It might have been Switzerland and Poland. Um, yeah. Or it could have been, been Switzerland and Ukraine, but it went down as one of the worst, worst games ever. So, yeah, um, but they do have a few players there, like Shakiri, you know, I think he's very much, you know, his best days are behind him. A um, couple of good players in there as well, uh, Granite Jagger as well, and very, very good defenders, Akanji as well. But um, Hungary, I think we know a little bit less about. We've seen yeah. more of them because they're, they're playing, you know, England, things like that as well. But Sobisai, that's at Liverpool, the captain, yeah. very, very good player. But yeah, Scotland, rightly so, they shouldn't fear anyone. Um, they proved that, you know, they proved that as well. I'm look, I'm glad it didn't come down to it. But um, they proved that in how they played in Spain as well. They gave, yeah. they gave and and that, that I think your away form as you progress as a nation, you know, really shows how far you have come. Um, so you, you were very unfortunate not not to get a point uh, in Spain. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, but, totally agree. But yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see. The draw has been made now, so you can start to you know make make more plans. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how you got on. We might pick up with you. Um, oh, definitely. After the tournament, just before we go there, just tell us a little bit about um, some recent changes and tell us about about your the local club you support as well and some of the changes there recently, Michael. Sure. So um, I live in Glasgow uh, in Scotland, but I'm originally from Inverness. So uh, my team is Inverness Caledonian Thistle. So they went probably one of the longest names in, in British football. So they are currently in the second tier in Scotland, the championship, one of the, I think similar to probably England, it's one of the toughest divisions to get out of that kind of, there's in, in Scotland, we have it slightly different. There's a 12 team Premier League and 
only one team gets automatically relegated and then the second bottom team play in a playoff against a team that's already come through, well, it's possible that they've already come through two playoff rounds to then play them, which is something we encountered a couple of seasons ago. We lost in the in the Premiership playoff final. Last season, we reached the Scottish Cup final uh, from the second tier as well. Uh, interestingly enough, we got put out of that tournament in the, the fourth round, but due to an admin error, got allowed back in to the tournament and an eligible player played. So, so we then ended up back in the tournament and went all the way to the final, losing to Celtic in Ange Postacoglu's final game. And we put in a really good performance, scored the best goal of the day that day as well. So, But unfortunately went down. So we then, we had Billy Dodds, former Scotland striker, as our manager. And we had a terrible start to this season. We were kind of winless in our first five or six. Uh, and as happens in these situations, Billy Dodds uh, was, was sacked. And interestingly enough, we had plenty of names linked. So the other people in the championship who maybe had a link to Inverness and things like that. But out of left field came Duncan Ferguson, who a former Scotland striker, Everton striker, uh, notorious hard man, I would say, is, is probably a good way to describe him. A very intimidating presence as a player, certainly. Uh, his time at Rangers was kind of, uh, his time in Scotland as a player was remembered for a, quite a vicious headbutt, I think he was actually prosecuted for, but yeah. a long time ago, obviously. But he's quite the personality and he's made quite the impact at Inverness. And uh, we just recently went on a, an unbeaten run since he was appointed, only losing on Saturday to two really late goals while we were one the lap. Uh, to Wraith Rovers, who are second in the in the division. Uh, but he's made a massive difference and brought a lot of eyes to the club already in terms of the media and things like that, because it's the first time he's come back to Scotland uh, since he kind of left as a young man to go and play down for Everton as well. So, yeah, it been really interesting times. Uh, as a club, we, we're, we're, we're a very sm- small club. I mean, we're not, we're not a huge club, but we have, in our recent history, won the Scottish Cup as well in, in 2015, one of the, the greatest days of my footballing supporting life for certain. Uh, so to be back in the final this year, uh, in June there, was 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 phenomenal. And I think the, the playoffs, maybe the bottom sort of seed of the playoffs is not completely out of our reach if we go on a run in the division. You play every team four times in our division. So it's, it's one of those things that I think we could get on a run. And he's made a couple of shrewd kind of veteran signings on short-term contracts that have kind of beefed up the squad a little bit. So, uh, so yeah, interesting times. And his his post-match antics have already been great. He's been in front of the the crowds, giving it the 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 yeah. big one sort of thing. So he's certainly it captured the kind of young sort of support as well uh, w- with how passionate he is. So yeah, it's been interesting times. Yeah. So interesting as well. It's, it's Steve Clark was actually another um, manager who actually spent a, a lot of his playing career in England. Moved down there and he came back um, yeah. after all those years. But no, Duncan Ferguson, I'd say, when he stepped in as interim manager Everton on a few occasions, did a brilliant job. And yeah. then obviously, his aspirations probably to go back there and be a manager. But it's, it's good to see, it's good to see, it's good to see managers prepared to step down um, a level or two as well. You know, like you said, when we spoke before, he was actually um, unsuccessful spell at Forest Green, but probably a, yeah. a difficult club to take care of but before we leave the pod just for anyone that isn't familiar with Scottish football um, thanks everyone for listening as well but I think if you haven't heard of this before the famous newspaper headline when uh, Inverness beat Celtic all those years ago super Cali go ballistic Celtic are atrocious Uh, but but yeah um, I'm sure it was um, nice to go one better than that and and make it to a cup final because I know myself 
Um, being a Spurs supporter, Northern Ireland supporter, I don't don't see winning many things, but those you know tournaments or, or cup finals are few and far between. So uh, it's definitely nice to get those night uh, extra days out uh, as a football fan, isn't yeah, it, Michael? Definitely. Definitely, I'll never forget the day uh, because, funnily enough, I I, uh, I was selected in a sort of fan competition. And the the, the night you talk about beating Celtic, uh, I was actually playing for Inverness's youth team at the time. Oh, so we, and we had a game, so we didn't even get to experience the famous win over Celtic uh, way back. But we beat them in the semi final in 2015, and uh, in the final, I actually had a competition to take a penalty at half time for money. So I actually got to take the penalty, scored it, had money in my pocket going out, and then we scored a last-minute winner with 10 men to win the Scottish Cup. So it is a day you'll just kind of never forget. I had pretty much all my family and friends were there. Everyone was down from Inverness. So it was, yeah, like you say, I'm a bit similar to you. And when I follow an English team, I follow the Spurs. So uh, cup finals are few and far between. Uh, yeah. And you, you do, you have to enjoy them when they come around. So we were actually favoured in that game because we also played the team from a lower tier. So yeah. uh, it was really interesting. But uh but yeah, yeah, it's it's those things you'll never forget. There's teams that in Scotland, especially that have never won a trophy or have never have been about for hundreds of years. And we we're, we're 20, 25 years old, maybe maybe twenty seven years old as a club uh, now. So really in our infancy as a club. So uh, to do that is uh, it's really really phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and a, and a country dominated by Rangers and Celtic as well. Exactly. Where they do dominate the you know the the both the League Cup and the, the Scottish Cup as well. It's, it's, a, it's a great achievement. So best of luck to Inverness in the remainder of the season. But more importantly, um, best of luck to yourself and your friends, you know, finding the, the best of location, the best of tickets, um, and really enjoy Germany next summer. And um, we'll we'll pick up with you again soon. And thanks to all the listeners for listening again. And uh, for me for now and for Michael, goodbye for now. 